1: with Dr. Frank Turek. Are people leaving Christianity for a new truth? Whatever that means. Does science keep piercing the truth of every religion? Is the Bible full of contradictions? Does God send four, pi- four billion people to hell? I mean, is it really true that nobody talks about these things? Well, you know what we're going to talk about today has been in the news, if you've been on the Christian Post uh, or several other sites, there seems to be another high-profile leader, worship leader, Marty Sampson, who has said now he's he hasn't completely left the faith, but he, he's got a lot of questions, and he says he's on incredibly shaky ground. He put an Instagram post about this out uh, a few days back. And then uh, Michael Brown, my friend, Dr. Michael Brown here in Charlotte wrote an op-ed and Mr. Sampson commented on the op-ed and another worship leader, excuse me, by name of John Cooper, who is one of the front men for the uh, rock group, Christian rock group skillet, wrote a long piece on Facebook about that. And then Sampson replied to that. So there's a lot of going back and forth here. Uh, And I want to address some of these questions that uh, Marty Sampson brought up. In fact, he actually said that he has been following apologists, and he named five of them. I happen to be one of them. William Lane Craig, John Lennox, Robbie Zacharias, Michael Lacona, and myself. And so how does how does all this wash out and uh, what's going on here? Why do we keep seemingly having these high profile people saying they're either leaving the faith or their faith is on incredibly shaky ground? Before we get into that, let me thank all the folks up there at the Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn. My friend Jamal Bernard, who is a pastor there, has a great team. Up there, and we just held CIA, the Cross Examine Instructor Academy, last weekend up there. And the, his team was fabulous, and Jamal was as well. I just want to thank everybody up there for all they've done. We had about I don't know sixty or so students. Although we had bad weather, we had we had thunderstorms shut down uh, JFK a number of times, and. It created such a problem that even my friend, Dr. Richard Howe, who lives in Atlanta, the biggest airport in the world, they could not get him from the biggest airport in the world to the biggest city in the world. It took him like a day and a half to do so. But in any event, it all turned out well in the end. My friend Ray Siervo actually did come and speak, despite the fact that it appears his daughter is, is terminally ill. He had initially couldn't make it, and then he came and he, he spoke to us about going through some, something as terrible as that and how the Lord's grace sustains him and his wife and his family. Uh, if you would pray for my friend Ray Sierra, his, his daughter's name is Jen, his wife's name is uh, is um, Joanne. And in fact, Ray substituted for me a couple of months ago here on uh, the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. Uh, you can go back and listen to his broadcast. Uh, in, in any event, we had, a, we had a wonderful CIA. I just want to thank everyone up there. And while I was up there, we headed on over to Manhattan. We had a sit down with Eric Metaxas. You guys know Eric Metaxas. He wrote some great books, Bonhoeffer, Luther, some other books, Seven Men, Seven Women, uh, Great Men and Great Women. He had these little biographies on them. And Eric's a fun guy. We had a great uh, hour-long conversation, which you can see on YouTube. If you go to The Eric Metaxas Show, you can see the video, because he actually uh, videos, the radio program, and they broadcast it on TBN. So, you can probably see it there as well. In any event, we had a great discussion. Always great being with my friend, Eric Metaxas. He's a fun guy, brilliant guy. Uh, check that out on his YouTube channel, if you would. And uh, I also want to mention that this week, I'm going to be in Georgia. If you're listening to this on Saturday today, I'm in Georgia Ella J. I think that's the way you pronounce it. It's about 60 or so miles north of Atlanta. If you can't make it today, 10 to 3, you can come tomorrow. I'll be at a church there in Georgia. I'll give you the name of that later. I want to get into the topic we're talking about here right now. Uh, And the topic is, are people leaving Christianity for a new truth? And and this Marty Sampson is a a worship leader at uh, Hillsong. He's been there for many years, and he put out an Instagram post in which he said this. Christians can be some of the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. I am not in anymore. I want genuine truth. Not just the I believe it kind of truth. Let me stop right there. Okay, I'm I'm glad he wants genuine truth. And I'm glad he doesn't just want just trust this, just believe it without any evidence. Cause that's not Christianity. Christianity is not, is not blind faith. It's trusting in what you have good evidence to believe. That's really what faith is trusting in what you have good evidence to believe. And so I'm glad that he wants the kind of truth that you can evaluate. You can discover, you can get evidence for, uh, now, he seemed to say in this Instagram post, which he later took down, that he was out. He's no longer in Christianity. But then later on, he did say he's he's still in. He's just shaky. Then he said this in this Instagram post. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. He says lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. He went on to say, how many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. Nobody talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loved yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. That's Marty Sampson. Now, let's leave the questions aside for a second before we get into dealing with them. Is it really true that nobody talks about this stuff? (laughs) I mean, I I, I was perplexed when he put out a post later that said uh, this. Let me find it here. He said that uh, he follows people like uh, William Lane Craig, John Lennox, Robbie Zacharias, Mike Lacona, and Frank Turek. He, He says this, I don't know these men personally, but I do watch them regularly and listen to their arguments. If you don't know who they are, perhaps you may find... Or you may want to find out more about them. Well, I'm glad Marty is doing that. And Marty, if I can help you in any way, just, just email me, hello at crossexamine.org. If I can help you in any way, I'm happy to. I'm just a little bit perplexed as to why you would say that nobody talks about these things, when especially somebody like William Lane Craig, who's covered just about every topic you can imagine, has talked about these things for the past 30 or 40 years. And so is Robbie Zacharias. John Lennox... Uh, it, it talks about, particularly the science issue, at great length. Mike Lacona talks about uh, the resurrection and inerrancy and, 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 and the Bible, and I, I try and talk about many of these issues as well. So I'm just a little bit perplexed as to why you would say nobody talks about these things. But let's leave that aside. Um, let's go back to his his assertion that science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. And I think this is a a misunderstanding and maybe it's a misunderstanding because certainly we don't seem to talk about these things in church very often, but you can't just rely on what the preacher says for your uh, discipleship and your edification. You have to do a lot of reading and investigating yourself if you're a Christian. Uh, the same thing is true, by the way, parents, you just can't trust the discipleship and the upbringing of your children in Christian doctrine to the church and, and the youth pastor. You have to do much of that yourself as well. So we need to read more and you can't be a leader. If you're not a reader, you also need to, to watch, to ask questions. I mean, in today's age, where you can just get about anything you want on your iPhone (laughs) or at Google on your laptop. I don't think there's much excuse for saying nobody talks about these things because a lot of people talk about them. Not just Christians, atheists talk about these. These things are talked about all the time. Maybe he just hasn't investigated enough about these questions to really see the depth of answers that are out there. In fact, I would submit to you that every issue that Mr. Sampson has brought up has been thoroughly discussed at great length by Christians over the centuries. Now, again, maybe he hasn't availed himself of those answers, but they're out there if you look for them, Marty. So continue to look for them. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this science question directly. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turk. Our website is crossexamined.org. That's cross-examined with the D on the end of it.org. So check that out. And we're going to be back in just a couple of minutes.
0: Don't go away. Thank you for listening to the Cross Examine podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the donate button or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks.
1: Welcome back to I don't have enough faith to be an atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Association Radio Network, 180-something stations around the country. And if you're out there listening to AFR or AFA, thank you so much. If you're listening to this on podcast, I want to mention to you that the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast going forward from September 1st on will be the only place you can get this podcast. If you signed up under the CE for Cross-Examined Podcast, you need to migrate over to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist because the CE podcast will not be updated after September 1st. We need to combine our forces here. We've got this show in two different places. It actually prevents us from really moving up the charts so more people will see this podcast. That's why we're moving over to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. As of September 1st. So go look for the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast uh, and uh, sign up for that, and you will get updates every time we do a new one. All right, I do want to mention, as I mentioned, I'll be in Georgia today from 10 to 3. I'm going to be at First Baptist Church in Elijah doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. There'll be time for QA. Uh, we're having lunch from uh, 12 to 1. It's a Chick-fil-A lunch, by the way, which means this really is truly a Christian event. God's chicken right there. And then tomorrow, Sunday, the 18th, there'll be a Pleasant Grove Baptist Church in Ella I'm going to do the Sunday school service at 945 and the service at 11 a.m. So if you're anywhere near Ellijay, which is, this, again, is just north of... Uh, Of Atlanta. It's kind of uh, between Atlanta and Chattanooga, a little bit uh, north of Atlanta, a little bit southeast, I think, of Chattanooga. So uh, if you're anywhere in that area, I'd love to see you. All right, let's go back to this issue where uh, Mr. Marty Sampson said that science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Let me say this first of all science doesn't say anything, scientists do. When you hear somebody saying science says this or science says that, you ought to say, no, that's not the case, because science is really just a method of finding causes. And that's what people do. That's what scientists do. If there were no people, there'd be no such thing as science. And you say, Frank, you're making rather a pedantic point here. What does this mean? Well, the reason I'm saying this is because just because a scientist says something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. You have to be sure. Yeah, you have to evaluate Why the scientist is interpreting the data he or she has discovered in such a way. And I've noticed that quite frequently, they're interpreting the data based upon their pre-existing atheism. They're not open to intelligent causes because they've already philosophically ruled out intelligent causes. So, it's no wonder they always arrive at a natural cause That's the only game in town for them. They don't leave themselves any other option. There's only two types of causes, either intelligent or non-intelligent. Or we might say intelligent and natural, the non-intelligent cause. If you're going to rule out intelligent causes before you look at the evidence, is it any wonder you're always going to say, well, science has proven that nature is all there is? No, science can't prove that. Science presupposes that if you're an atheistic scientist. So science doesn't say anything scientists do. Science is a method of finding causes. Now, this raises many questions. Why is this universe governed by cause and effect? Why is this universe so orderly and rational? Why are there orderly natural laws? And why can we understand the world around us? In fact, why do the universe and human rational human beings or rational human beings exist in the first place? You just can't say, well, everything can be explained by science and just presuppose that. First of all, that statement, everything can be explained by science, can't be explained by science itself. It's not a scientific statement. So, scientism, the idea that you get all your truth from science, is self-defeating because that truth itself if it was true you don't get it from science it's philosophical and science is built on philosophy you can't do science without assuming cause and effect you can't do science without assuming that your mind can ascertain truths about the real world and come to rational conclusions about the real world you can't do science without assuming the laws of logic and the th- and the laws of mathematics you can't do science unless you're moral and you report your data fairly you can't can't put morality in a test tube. These are all philosophical principles that science needs in order to operate. It needs minds, not just brains. If we're just brains, if we're just molecular machines, we can't follow the evidence where it leads. We just react. But if science is going to be good science, we have to assume that we can reason, that we have free will, that we're going to follow the evidence where it leads rationally, those things can't be explained by science. They can't be explained by atheism. They can't be explained by naturalism. In other words, what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that science, properly understood, actually needs a being like God, A, to create the universe, B, to sustain the universe, C, to create human minds so we can actually ascertain truths about the real world. Uh, D, create these natural orderly laws that allow us to reliably find cause and effect. And I think part of the problem that maybe Mr. Sampson uh, is suggesting here is that, yes, there are some people, some Christians out there who mistakenly think that certain things that happen in nature were directly caused by God. That's called a God of the gaps, you know, lightning. We didn't know what caused lightning. God must be mad at us, you know, and we say, well, we're putting God in the gap of our knowledge uh, because we can't explain it uh, naturally. So God must have supernaturally created lightning directly. That's a God of the gaps argument. The arguments that I'm about to make, though, are not God of the gaps arguments. These arguments are. Are. or these observations, I should say, seem to require an intelligent being uh, in order for science and the natural world to work. Science only pierces religious beliefs if those beliefs mistakenly think a natural cause was a supernatural cause, like lightning, a god of the gaps. And while some Christians have made that mistake, Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, doesn't say that God is only necessary for what science can't explain. No, Christianity says the entire universe and the natural laws that describe what happens when agents don't intervene, that that entire universe and its natural laws require a cause in the past and require a cause every second the universe exists. In other words, God is not just the God of the gaps, God is the God of the whole show, as John Lennox has put it. In fact, go back and listen to our podcast from a month ago. This was the entire uh, subject of the podcast. God is a God of the whole show. What is keeping the natural forces doing what they're doing? Why are there natural forces to begin with? You can't say more nature because nature is exactly what needs explaining. You see, nature's not eternal. Nature had a beginning. Secondly, nature doesn't have a mind. Yet there appears to be a mind behind nature, which is what we would mean by God. And science would be impossible without orderly natural forces and reliable cause and effect, reliable and consistent cause and effect. That's why I say science actually needs a being like God. Now, this doesn't prove the Christian God. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it could be the Christian God. You don't get the Christian God by just observing the, water, the world is orderly. You would expect that if the Christian God was the true God. But that argument alone doesn't get you all the way to Christianity. It may get you to theism or deism or something like that. You need more evidence to see if the God that created and set up the universe and keeps the natural laws going in the way they're going, if that God is the Christian God. You need more evidence. I mean, it could be Allah. It could be some other God. But what you can't say, at least in my view, is that atheism explains this. That just a... Someone who says there's no God has to be able to explain why the universe exists, why natural laws exist, and why they're so fine-tuned and precise, why life exists to begin with, the first life, and then why natural or or why subsequent life forms exist. You have to be able to explain, you say, oh, maybe evolution created subsequent life forms. Oh, you could say that. What evidence do you have for it, number one? And number two, what laws drive evolution what what natural forces there's only four known natural forces gravity strong and weak nuclear forces and electromagnetism those four natural forces what drives those where did they come from and why are they so consistent and precise and how do those four natural forces or the combination thereof give you the kind of specified and complex information we find in the dna molecule and the subsequent life forms that we observe you have, to have a, you have to have some kind of explanation for this. You can't just assume that all this stuff exists and we're going to argue from this point on that there is no God. No, those very things that you are just granting yourself, the universe, the fine-tuned laws of nature, uh, the first life, and the natural forces that drive all this, you're just assuming those are true. They seem to require a mind to begin with. So no science has not is not piercing the truth of every religion properly understood, science is just a method we use to discover cause and effect relationships and if science as the atheists are going to say can only um, can only limit themselves to natural causes then science doesn't say a word about God it couldn't say a word about God if you're just going to say nature, it's only natural causes well you've already just left supernatural causes out of your calculus. If you're leaving it out of your calculus or you're leaving it out of your, the, the scope of what you're trying to discover, how can you say that science disproves God? Because God isn't even a subject or a cause you're open to considering. If you're going to say that science only deals with natural causes, it's like having a metal detector and saying there's no plastic in the world because you never found plastic with your metal detector. Well, if your metal detector only detects metal, it's useless for discovering whether plastic exists or not. It doesn't detect plastic. And if you're going to define science in such a way as to only detect natural causes, then you can't say that science has disproven supernatural causes. Just like you can't say that your metal detector has disproven the existence of plastic. It doesn't look for plastic, according to your definition. So no science has not pierced the truth of every religion and certainly not christianity in fact my argument is is that for science to work something like Christianity has to be true. There has to be a mind out there that created all these things, created the universe itself and the laws of nature and keeps them all going. Now, I explain this in depth in the book, Stealing from God. I can't do it all here on a podcast. So if you want to go further, get the book, Stealing from God and look in the chapter about science. And the title is Science Doesn't Say Anything, Scientists Do. Now, Mr. Sampson went on to say, Uh, after reading Dr. Michael Brown's article about him, he says, it's interesting to read an article about yourself. What can I say? I'm struggling with many parts of the belief system that seems so incoherent with common human morality. Okay. I'd love to have him unpack that. What does he mean by common human morality? Yeah. If we're going to judge God by, uh, the current cultural morality. Yeah. God doesn't line up with the cultural human morality. He's out of step with, uh, the culture. Well, yeah, that's like saying that Moses was out of step with the golden calf, too. Yeah, he was. OK, but that doesn't mean the golden calf is true and Moses was was or the golden calf was right and the, and Moses was wrong. The same thing is true here. It doesn't mean that the culture's right and God is wrong. If God's morality is indeed the morality that we are properly understanding through the scriptures and through natural law. All right, we're going to come back to this right after the break. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. In the Apostle Paul's last letter... And the last chapter of the last letter, he writes this for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, why am I bringing that passage up here? In fact, you should read the whole book of Second Timothy, because Paul talks about this also in Chapter three. That people will turn away from the truth. Now, thankfully, it looks like Mr. Marty Sampson hasn't completely turned away from the truth, but he did say in his initial post that, you know, the Christian morality doesn't line up with common human morality, whatever that means. I think he means the cultural morality, to which I would say he's right, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the cultural morality is right. And this is what Paul is saying. People are going to turn away to do what they want to do. A couple of uh, podcasts ago, we talked about Mr. Joshua Harris, who seems at least on the surface to have left Christianity because he disagrees with Christian morality. He doesn't give any real reason that he doesn't say, well, I don't believe in the resurrection or I don't think the Bible has any truth in it or I found errors. in that." he doesn't say any of that. He just seems to talk about sex And is sex keeping people out of the kingdom? And is it causing people to leave the kingdom? What they want to do sexually might cause them to walk away from Christianity. Go back and listen to that podcast. I can't recover it here. Um, But it appears that, yes, morality isn't uh, lining up. The biblical morality isn't lining up with the cultural morality. No secret there. Uh, Mr. Uh, Samson goes on to say, uh if most of humankind had a choice would we not get rid rid would we would we not rid the world of the scourge of cancer or sickness or disease why doesn't god do such a thing of course there there is an answer to this question but the majority of a typical christian's life is not spent considering these things bingo you're right we don't consider these things as much as we should so when you start having doubts Maybe you ought to go consider those things. Maybe you ought to read more about them. There are plenty of books on it. My book, uh, Stealing from God deals with it. There are several other books on it that you can get. Why does God allow such things? Um, If he, if he decided that he, he wanted to not allow them, then um, this would not be a, certainly a fallen world. If people never got sick, if people never died, it would be the, pre-Adamic world or the pre-fall world, I should say. That's what we're heading toward again. We're trying to restore Eden through what Christ has done. But why God doesn't heal everybody and why God doesn't make everybody uh, immortal at this point? Well, that's the whole Christian project, if you look at it. I mean, if God, why evil? in fact we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that at the university of north carolina at the charlotte campus on september 12th you know they had a shooting there uh, last semester and they really haven't had many students uh, there in fact after that shooting happened i think they just missed the whole campus and they haven't been back until the fall and so myself and my friend rice brooks of god's not dead the guy who wrote god's not dead is we're going to go to that campus uh, that night september 12th and deal with that issue why would god allow such evil to occur Um, now, as i said before, it doesn't disprove God because there'd be no such thing as evil unless there was good. And there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. But it's, it's good to ask the question, why would God allow it to continue? And we'll deal with that that night. Um, my point is not to get into that right here, but to just point out that Mr. Sampson, there are plenty of places you can go to get answers on that topic uh, and he goes on to say, I have and continue to analyze the arguments of prominent Christian apologists and biblical scholars. And I'm open minded to consider the arguments of atheists, debaters and debaters from all other religions. OK, good. Open yourself up to that. But make sure that you ground yourself in what Christians, Christian apologists and biblical scholars are saying, not just what the atheists are saying. I try and read both sides because I want to know what the atheists are thinking as well. And it's good to avail yourself of that if you're properly grounded in the truth, if you probably have studied and are going to be open to the Christian side. Uh, What else does Mr. Sampson say? Okay, well, he he said enough here. Thankfully, he's saying, I haven't left the faith yet. It's just on shaky ground. Marty, if I can help, you know where to get me. Hello at crossexamine.org. Now, enter John Skillet, one of the uh, front men of Skillet. John skillet, John Cooper, the front man of skillet, a uh, Christian rock band. He had kind of a Epic post on his Facebook page. I can't read all of it. I'm going to read some of it. Here's what he says about it. My conclusion for the church and all of us Christians is we must stop making worship leaders, <clears throat> excuse me, and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people, the most influ- influential people in Christendom. And yes, that includes people like me. He says, I've been saying for 20 years, That we are in a dangerous place when the church is looking to a 20-year-old worship singers or 20-year-old worship singers as our source of truth. Now, It turns out that Mr. Sampson's 40. I don't know if he's talking about Samson directly or he doesn't name him, but he probably is because both he and, and of course, uh, Josh Harris are the two prominent Christians in the news who have either left their faith or are thinking about it. Uh, uh, Cooper goes on to say, we now have a church culture that learns who God is from singing modern praise songs rather rather than from the teachings of the word. I'm not being rude to my worship leader friends many who would agree with me, I'm saying that singers and musicians are good at communicating emotion and feeling. We create a moment and a vehicle for God to speak. However, singers are not always the best people to write solid Bible truth and doctrine. Sometimes we are too young, too ignorant of scripture, too unaware, too unconcerned about the purity of scripture and the holiness of God we are singing to. Have you ever considered the disrespect of singing songs to God that are untrue of his character? Again, this is John Cooper, one of the one of the band members of the band Skillet. He goes on to say, I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals to statements made recently by disavowed church influencers. First of all, I am stunned that the seemingly most important thing for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make a bold new st- is to make such a bold new stance basically saying i've been living and preaching boldly something for you know for 20 years and led generations of people with my teachings and now i no longer believe it there- therefore i'm going to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong while i boldly and loudly lead people to my next truth i'm perplexed why aren't they embarrassed, humbled, ashamed, fearful, confused? Why be so eager to continue leading people when you clearly don't know where you're headed? Unquote. This Again, this is John Cooper of Skillet. Well, that is true. You can only only lead people as far as you've gone yourself. And if you have doubt where you've just been leading people, maybe you ought to just go underground for a while and figure out what you really think is true before you pop your head up and say, here, I want to lead people in a new direction. Now, um... Samson's going to say something about this. So hold the thought. Let me continue with what uh, Cooper says. He says, my second thought is why do people act like being real covers a multitude of sins as if someone is courageous simply for sharing virally every thought or dark place. That's not courageous. It's cavalier. Have they considered the ramifications as if they are Are the harbingers of truth saying, I used to think one way and practice it and preach it, but now I've learned all the new truth and will start practicing and preaching it. So the influencers become the voice for truth in whatever stage of life and whatever evolution takes place in their thinking. Thirdly, again, this is John Cooper. Thirdly, there is a common thread running through these leaders, influencers, that basically says – uh, that quote. No one else is talking about the real stuff. Unquote. This is just false, uh, flatly false. I just read today a renowned worship leader's statement. Okay, now he is talking about uh, he is talking about Marty Sampson here. He doesn't name him, but this was Sampson's statement. How could a God of Love send send people to hell? No one talks about it, as if he's the first person to ask this, brother. You are not that unique. The church has wrestled with this for 1,500 years, literally, actually, longer than that. Everybody talks about it. Children talk about it in Sunday school. There's like a billion books written on the topic. Okay, he's exaggerating now. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we're, we're unwilling to wrestle with it and wrestle with Scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our, our, our minds. Again, you're listening to, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist with Frank Turek, but I'm reading something from John Cooper, one of the uh, top, uh, or one of the band leaders of the band Skillet. Here's Cooper again. And lastly, and most shocking in my humble opinion, as these influencers disavow their faith, they always end their statements with their new insight, new truth. That is basically a regurgitation of Jesus's words. It's truly bizarre and ironic. They say, I'm disavowing my faith, but remember, love people, be generous, forgive others. Hmm. Why? That is actually not human nature. No child is ever born and says, I just want to love others before loving myself. I want to turn the other cheek. I want to give money away to help others in need. These are Bible principles taught by the prophet, priest, king of kings, who wants us to live by a higher standard, which is not an earthly standard, but rather a kingdom of God standard. Therefore, if Jesus is not the truth, and if the word of God is not absolute, then by preaching Jesus's teachings, you are endorsing the words of a madman, a lunatic who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Except through me. He also said that he was alive before Abraham, and to see him was to see God because he was one with God. So, why then would a disavowed Christian leader promote that, quote, generosity is good? How do you know that what is good without Jesus' teaching? And will your ideas of what is good be different from year to year based on your experience, culture, trends, popular opinion, etc.? And furthermore, will you continue year by year to lead others into your idea of goodness even though it's not absolute? I'm amazed at so. Many Christians want the benefits of the kingdom of God, but with the caveat that they themselves will be the king, unquote. Again, that's John Cooper of Skillet. That's he said it better than I did, but I said kind of the same thing a couple of weeks ago in talking about and talking about Josh Harris. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna just say that Christianity isn't true, now by what moral standard are you coming up with all these new moral platitudes or the, these new moral, um, moral principles that everybody ought to obey, which really turn out to be not that new at all. They're the same principles that Jesus has been saying, where are you getting these things? If there is no God, there's no standard beyond humanity, which means there's no reason to be generous. There's no reason to be loving. Not, not, not an ultimate reason. It may help you short term, but there's, there's no absolute or objective moral principle. There's no way to justify these things if God doesn't exist. Now, how does Samson respond to this? In responding to uh, Mr. S- Mr. Cooper from Skillet, he says, wow, where do I begin? What right have you to put words in my mouth? I wouldn't presume to put words in yours to think that I'm trying to influence others without even asking me if that was my intention is offensive. Okay, time out. Let me stop here if you're not trying to influence Marty, then why did you post it on social media? I mean, if you go public with a comment, people have the right to comment on it. So, I mean, if, if you're just struggling with some, some questions, fine, struggle with them. Talk about, talk about them to people, but don't blast it all over social media and and expect nobody to say anything about them. I mean, the very fact that you're on social media, shows that you're trying to influence people to consider what you've said in the post. So I don't I don't think that Mr. Cooper is out of line here. You put the comment up there. If he wants to comment on it, he's totally within his rights to do so. And if you didn't want to influence people, why would you put it on social media? That's my take anyway on it. All right, we're going to come back and talk more. I'm Frank Turek. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist back in two.
0: If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily.
1: Well, there's one thing we need to do. We need to pray for people like Marty Sampson and... Josh Harris and their families and others. But I thought I'd just try and bring my thoughts to this whole situation here. And of course, uh, some of the thoughts of Mr. Sampson and Mr. Cooper I thought were helpful as well. So just we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. I want to move on to a couple other questions uh, now uh, because you guys have sent me questions. Hello at crossexamined.org. And let me deal with a couple of them. Uh, Peter asks, I watched this morning your video or your excerpt on the Canaanites. What I'm going to ask you is why would God wait 400 years to stop the sacrifice of children? And uh, what he's referring to there is in, is in Genesis 15 when God promises Abram, who turned out to be Abraham, that uh, he says this in verse, uh, let's see, Genesis 15, verse 13. He says, "Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You however will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites the people in the promised land was not has not reached its full measure. So basically God is saying the sins of the Amorites weren't as bad as they needed to be before God was going to step in and judge them in Abraham's day. He was going to wait 400 years before he did that. So When, Peter, you ask the question, why would God wait 400 years? Well, first of all, let me point this out. Um, You're invoking a moral standard by asking the question. Okay. You're saying that it appears that God was immoral for not jumping in sooner. Okay. Well, I don't know what your religious beliefs are, but as an atheist, you don't have any moral standard, objective moral standard by which to judge this is morally wrong, if in fact it is morally wrong. Now you can say, and it's a good question to ask a Christian or a Jewish person, why would God wait so long? If you're claiming God is the God of love and justice, why does he wait? So that's okay. That's you, you can ask that of our worldview, but if you're on the outside of the worldview and you're thinking this is somehow immoral, you're actually stealing a standard from God in order to bring this question up. Now, You might say, well, I do believe in God. I just don't think the Christian God is the true God. Okay, fair enough. Give your evidence for this God existing who's not the Christian God. But if you're an atheist, you don't really have any moral ground to stand on. No objective moral ground anyway. Secondly, I would add, we don't know when the sacrifice of children started. The text says their sins became worse over 400 years. So it might be that it was until the end of this 400 year period that they started sacrificing their children to Molech. And finally God said, okay, that's enough. I'm stepping in. Thirdly, I'd say this is a moral universe because God allows free choice. If God were to step in and stop all of our evil choices, then we wouldn't be moral creatures. We would be mere robots. And this would not be a moral world where there could be love and there could be hate. There would be an amoral world. And so no choices would really matter morally. And if we're going to say, by the way, that God is morally obligated to stop the sacrifice of children, then why doesn't he step in and stop our sacrifice of children right here in the United States? Because we do it to the tune of more than a million young children every every year. We are for our own convenience. Most of the time we're sacrificing our children, not to Molech, but to ourselves. We're sacrificing our children to our own convenience. We don't want the responsibility of bringing up a child or being pregnant and even giving the child up for adoption. We don't want that. Why doesn't God stop us? If God were to step in and stop us all the time, then this wouldn't be a moral world. Now, there may come a point where God does do this. In fact, I had a, a student at Oklahoma Central University who asked uh, a question. Actually, she made a statement more than anything. She said, look, I can't believe in a God who would, you know, kill people in the Old Testament, the whole Canaanite issue. And uh, we had a nice conversation. You can see it on our YouTube channel. It's one of the longer interactions that uh, I've I've had on campus. I try and keep the answer short this Q&A went on for about 11 minutes, and um, it's got a lot of views on YouTube, I believe. In any event, we went back and forth, and she was saying, look, I just can't believe in a God that would kill people in the Old Testament. And I said, let me ask you a question. Where are you on the abortion issue? Are you pro-life or pro-abortion? She said, oh, I'm pro-abortion. I said, well, let me ask you this question then. Why is it that when God plays God in the Old Testament and decides who lives and dies, that He's immoral for, say, choosing somebody to die. But when we play God right here in the United States and we decide who lives and dies through abortion, that that's somehow our moral right. So in other words, God doesn't have the moral right to move people from this life into the next, but we do. God doesn't have the moral right to pull his hand away from somebody And they drop dead. But we have the moral right to actively kill people? Can you justify that for me? Well, you can see how she answered on the video. But I I find it very inconsistent that people are claiming that God doesn't have the right to kill people, but we do. By the way, if God exists, and he does, he is the creator of life and he can take life anytime he wants. We can't because we can't resurrect life. It's not our life and we can't resurrect it. We can't fix it. God can. And if Christianity's true, people don't really die. They just change location. They just go from this life to the next life. And that's up to God when that happens. He has the moral right to do so. Peter also asks in another question, he says, you asked the question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? However, he says, your version of Christianity believes in eternal torture. How can anyone in their right mind be okay with eternal torture? Okay. (laughs) My response to this is, why do you think, or where do you think the Bible says that hell is eternal torture? Because it doesn't say that. (laughs) See, this is a straw man. Before rejecting something, we need to make sure what we're rejecting Christianity never says that hell is eternal torture. It talks about torment, but not torture. Torment comes from living with the consequences of your choices. It's more internally inflicted. It's not externally inflicted. And at some point, a final decision has to be made. Look, if God exists, and he does, and if there's an afterlife, and there is. There's logically only two possible destinations in the afterlife. You're either going to be with God, that's heaven, or you're going to be separated from God, that's hell. Now, I've had people ask me, you know, would, will God send my grandmother to hell or that, or that kind of thing? And I'll say, look, if your grandmother decides she does not want to accept the pardon that Christ has provided, then God is too loving to force her into heaven against her will. You see, because the assumption behind the question is everyone wants to go to heaven. That's not true. God is there. Jesus is there. There have been people running from Jesus their entire lives. What's he going to do in the afterlife? Go, hey, where are you going? You're with me now. No. God separates himself from you because you have chosen. You don't want him. So God respects your free choice. That's what God does. He doesn't force himself on you. And the problem is the fact that without God, all the goodness, the, the standard of goodness is gone. You don't, you don't have the standard of goodness or you don't, you don't get the benefits of God's love if you're in hell. Because he separated himself from you. And so it's a place of eternal torment. It's not torture. God is not inflicting torture on anyone. That's why this, again, is a straw man. It also invokes a moral standard, by the way. I mean, even if it were to say that this is what God is doing, you're still implying that it's wrong. Well, where are you getting the moral standard from? So it's not torture It's torment. And C.S. Lewis, by the way, has written profoundly on this. Get the book, The Great Divorce, if you want to go further on this. But I don't think God really has a choice. If there is an afterlife and people don't want him, what's he going to do? If he's loving, he will leave you alone. Just like if someone is pursuing you for a romantic relationship and you keep saying, leave me alone, leave me alone. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. The most loving thing that person can do is leave you alone if you don't want them. God does that. He leaves us alone. C.S. Lewis famously said, in the end, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. That's it. A question comes from uh, Edwin, who says, if Adam and Eve were created having immortal spirits, why was there a need for the tree of life? If they did not feed from it, would they have died anyway? Actually, it's the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of life. And uh, apparently they may have lived forever, but the, the good thing, the reason the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there is that God gave us the free choice to make a free choice and decide whether or not we were going to follow God or not. And we decided not to, but then God immediately initiated a rescue plan through the bloodline of the Messiah that arrived at Jesus for a redeemer. So thankfully God gave us the choice to make a real moral choice and that allowed the possibility for love. It also obviously allowed the possibility for evil. So the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil actually gave us the ability to become fully human in the sense that we have the freedom to either choose him or not choose him to choose the good or choose the evil. And we chose evil, but God rescued us. Anyway, And you can accept the free gift of salvation by just trusting in what Christ has done. All right, we've covered a lot of ground here, friends. I want to point out that if you want to go much deeper in the evidence for Christianity, we're starting the why I still don't have enough faith to be an atheist uh, course again in September. I believe it's September 9th. And uh, you can join anytime and take it as a self-paced course. But if you want to be on there with me live via Zoom video, we have several Zoom video sessions where we're looking at one another live on Zoom video. And we are answering questions and learning from one another. If you want to be a part of that, you need to sign up for the premium version of the class. Go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, and you'll see it there. It's the why I still don't have enough faith to be an atheist class. We run it once every year and a half or so, maybe once every two years. If you want to be a part of it, you need to sign up soon. We only have limited seating. So we give everybody a chance to ask questions on the live Zoom video conferences. So sign up for the premium version of why I still don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Just go to cross-examine, click on online courses. You'll see it there. Also, I'm going to be, as I said, in Georgia today, LAJ, Georgia, and tomorrow. Check our website, crossexamine.org for details. I hope to see you there. See you next week, friends. I'm Frank Turk. God bless.
0: We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you think our podcast needs to reach more people, here's what you can do to help. Go to iTunes and type cross examined official podcast, four words in the search bar, and leave us a five-star rating. It'll take you less than five seconds. And if you have a few more seconds to spare, leave us a positive review. The best reviews will be featured on future episodes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. God bless.